And then he came up to me and he just went, I don't often see 18-year-old girls drinking pints of bitter. And I was like, all right. He went, do you like cheese? I said, yeah. And he was like, do you want a job? I went, yeah. He said, okay, you start on Wednesday. And then I was like, oh, cool, I've got a job. And afterwards I thought, why did he ask if I like cheese? From Melbourne Studios up here in Lincoln City, Oregon, I'm Melanie, and this is Mindspace. Over coffee. Episode 3. And I'm your host. Over coffee is for those looking for simple discussions with a catch. We dive deep, but it's easy to follow and understand, just like talking over coffee in the morning. Today, our focus will be motivation. What it is, how it looks from different points of view, and how not everybody has it. And that's okay. Like all things we discuss here, we'll be talking about it on three levels. Physical, personal, and psychological. Motivation. Ah, yes. The ever-elusive noun that can tarry or fare thee well without even the slightest tip of a hat. Motivation can be a Have you ever sat at your desk and thought, why am I doing this? Or have you ever had a difficult conversation where your palms were sweaty and your heart was racing? Why do we put ourselves in these situations? What is it about motivation? Why can't it get a grip? Our physical relationship with motivation can look like our favorite thing or the thing we hate most in the world. Motivation for me looks like a big deep dish pizza with cheese stuffed crust. DiGiorno will do, but I feel the most satisfaction when the motivation I have can be represented as me with a beer and a big greasy cheesy slice of pizza. However, there are times where my motivation looks like a wilted flower that's been left in the vase too long and most of the water is gone. There's algae growing. These times don't last too long as of late, but for the past few years, it has been an ongoing battle. What is it that drives me? On a personal level, motivation means something to me. It means I can speak up for myself. I can write that article. I can drink that cup of coffee and enjoy it. Most days, motivation acts as a vessel from which our mood and demeanor are affected. If we feel unmotivated, our very well-being is at stake. Why get up and do anything when I don't feel good enough? I'm not going to be able to finish that project on time. Why bother? I hate my job, but I can't get out of it. I can't do anything. The can't of anything is where we slip up. Instead of can't, it lies on a spectrum. I've said this before, and I'll say it again because it matters. In whatever we decide to do, there is rarely an ultimatum. Most of the time, we just have to see the forest for the trees. We have to want it. When we want something, I mean truly want something, the path to getting there widens and widens and widens and widens. My first guest today hails from England. Um, hi, my name's Paris. I'm 19 and I'm from Blackpool in England. And now I live in Bolsover with a new pub, but I live everywhere, so it can't really say where I'm from. <laughs> Back in June of this year, Jeremy and I were hiking the Pennine Way. Our first day was far more difficult than we imagined. We got caught in gale force winds, were soaked to the bone, and we had to cut our hike short to get warm and eat. We came to a remote inn in the English countryside. Excited but exhausted, we dragged our bags inside. 
Concerned but friendly, Paris was the one who sorted us out. Motivation comes from my dad, because he's always one that's like, I'd say forced, but that sounds bad. But he's always <laughs> helps me to do the best that I can and make sure that I am successful and not just doing nothing with my life. So <laughs> keeps me on the straight and narrow. I suppose it's, I, didn't, I didn't have a good time at school. So he always helped me through that and then helped me for everything. Helps you to do the best, I suppose, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I've learned loads than I would if I did it with anybody else because they've done it their whole lives. I mean, with the job in pubs, I was born in a pub because they ran one then. So, I mean, they've done so many different jobs as well. Like the whole life of the kind of people that would be talking about a job to them, be like, oh yeah, I've done that. So then they can just talk to you about everything and teach you about everything, so that's good. Most kids at 19 would jump at the chance to get away from their families, their siblings, their parents, everyone. But not Paris. Yeah, well, we've always been a close family, so it's not really anything I've ever thought and wanted to be like, oh my God, I need to get away from my family or things like that. It's never really been something I need to do. Like, most people go to university. I did my college. Um, I did art at college. But I, I just, it sounds really silly, but I hate education. Like, I have an issue with being told what to do, and I, I just can't do it. I'm rubbish at being told what to do and giving instructions. <laughs> so with my parents, if they tell me what to do, I could be like, yeah, yeah, but I don't necessarily have to do it, yeah. unless they tell me off. And then I'll be like, yeah, I should probably do that now. <laughs> then, doing that, like doing my own thing, I'm, I'm more of like an active learner, so I have to do something to learn. So rather than going to university and things like that, I don't think that would have helped me at all. And universities here, I'd have ended up guaranteed drunk every single night, because that's what they do. I wouldn't have learned anything from that, would I? Paris knew early on that an education didn't motivate her, at least not an education in the traditional sense of the word. I did the whole amount of my school, and I passed everything there, and then I did the whole of college. It's only two years at college here, so you've got... I'm guessing you know the schooling thing, but you're at school from up until 16 and then you go to college till you're 18 okay so I did both of them but as soon as I turned 18 um which was in the December of my second year of you of college I um started I got a job but I went into this new bar that I'd opened and they served real ale and with my mum and dad again because I'm always with them <laughs> and um I walked in and we just we had quite a lot to drink because that's what me my mum and dad like to do lead a really excited life clearly but um <laughs> Yeah, we, we were sat there and then the owner came up. But it's the kind of pub we've always wanted. So we was really angry. We was like, "What? why is he beat us to it? We wanted a pub like this here. It's not fair. And then he came up to me and he just went, I don't often see 18-year-old girls drinking pints of bitter. And I was like, all right. He went, do you like cheese? I said, yeah. And he was like, do you want a job? I went, yeah. He said, okay, you start on Wednesday. And then I was like, oh, cool, I've got a job. And afterwards I thought, why did he ask if I like cheese? Like, the weirdest job interview ever. Do you like beer? Do you like cheese? Okay, you've got the job. That was, that was literally like my first proper job. I did so well there. I started managing it. And then um, I was like, that made me think. So I was doing college and managing the real ale bar. So I was like, God, I really do like beer. And not just to drink it either. Like, to yeah. serve it. And it's the, like the talking to people behind the bar. You learn so much mm -hmm. and you, you meet so many weird different people but <laughs> you have to like conversations but yeah and then I was like right that that is what I want to do. 18 managing a bar and going to school. This girl had something special. I could only describe what she's got going on as being on it. 
Learning early on what motivated her and what didn't motivate her has played a key role in what Paris wants for herself. I did struggle for ages. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I was going to apply for university, but then I was like, I, I'm going to fail university if I go. I was like, it's not going to work. I'm just, I'm going to be, I'd be nine grand in debt. But then if I was working, I thought I'll have earned nine grand. So I was like, why would I be in debt when I can earn that? and I don't have to spend it on education, I can just spend it on more beer for me. So I thought, oh, that's, that's better enough for me. There was a practical element that Paris understood. She could either pay for something that didn't fit her lifestyle, or she could learn more about an industry she was growing to love. The answer was clear to her, and her family. So then my dad said, well, why don't you get a pub and we'll do that? Dad, I want a pub for Christmas. So I was like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> let's do that. But I still have finished my college, and then as soon as I finished college, I started working full time. And then I left there and I moved on to a cocktail bar, which was probably the worst six months of my life because it was in the centre of Blackpool and it is not nice there. <laughs> yeah, but again, I learned a lot from there. Like I learned how to make cocktails and I also learned not to drink a lot of cocktails. That that, that makes you feel slightly poorly. But I, I love like working in the cellar and everything. So I learned in two different places, I've learned how to look after the beer and all stuff like that. So it's great. How does someone come to that conclusion? How does someone figure out what motivates them? Maybe putting ourselves in different positions and places we enjoy is part of the journey that motivates us. But what does that look like to Paris? Being at the end of the tunnel and getting where work's paid off for, I suppose. One thing I couldn't do if I hated it, oh no, no, I couldn't do that. No. It's, it's, not, it's not worth it, is it? When I've got my pub, chain, chain of pubs, and my brewery, I need a brewery. You gotta have a brewery if you love beer. Gotta you? have a brewery, yep. <laughs> Yeah. When I'm a brewery, that, that's fine. It means I'm motivated enough and I can just sit back and then test all the beers for the rest of my life. I, I like being in charge. I am I like being centre of everything. So I, I'm just, I just like being the boss. It's great. <laughs> it's different here than like, like you say in America, you have the 50 odd, 50 odd like year old man. It's different here, especially in Blackpool, because they have a lot of young people and the old people can't get jobs because they're ages. But then you struggle for young people to get jobs as well, unless it is in bars and that. That's the best thing about me working with my parents my whole life. Because when I'd like been to school, like if I wanted another job, yeah. well, I got really like looked down upon. Before I got the jo job in the bar, I got if I, I was giving my CV in everywhere and they was looking at me like, why would we hire you? Because I had bright blue hair. But you know, it, I wasn't, I wasn't going to change it because I liked my blue hair at the time. And so. now, now what color is it? This beautiful pink? It's, it's, it's orange now. Oh, I'm it's orange. orange. I'm sorry. It looks good. I like it. It's called Tangerine Dream. I'm not sure when we decided that colored hair was a crime, but come on. Paris knows that's something she's not willing to change about herself. That's part of who she is. It shows her personality, and she wants to show that everywhere, even in her work. Because I've like worked with my parents my whole life. Like We've had pubs. I w I've been collecting glasses and stocking fridges since I was like fresh out of the womb, pretty much. And then I've got, we've had a hotel, mm -hmm. so I've spent my life cleaning bedrooms, which isn't the greatest, but you know, you yep. find some things as well, so that's always fun. Got <laughs> some free straighteners once, so that's really hey, good. Hey, there People you go. Phone charges, got a lifelong supply. <laughs> Paris and her family have been busy the past couple months. They've since sold the property where we met and have bought and started working on a new property. Well, the pub's called the Castle Arms, and it's in Bolsover, so it's literally... It, the name explains everything. We're literally facing a massive castle in Bolsover. Cool. You would love it. Uh, but yeah, we've, it's a pub restaurant. Uh, no hotel rooms, okay. thank God. And then, um, yeah, we've got, well, the pub currently got, it got trashed by the people before. 
So we're having to bring it right up and we've changed yeah. it completely. I mean, we've spent a few weeks just writing on chalkboards with pens and I never want to touch blackboard paint again. Yeah, we've do, we've got a brand new menu with really, really good food. My dad and my boyfriend, Joe, <laughs> they're the chefs. Yeah, and then me and mum on my front of house, you know, to get the tips from the old men, it's what you love. We're just trying to build that up now and get it to a good place. So we're really busy constantly. We want to sell loads of food. Something Paris has alluded to, and something we observed while staying at their last property, was how involved Paris and her family are together. They help each other, work hard with and for each other. It really is a team effort. Well, we're always like learning. Like if we don't like a place, like we didn't particularly like the last place, but we always go, it's, we're still learning. Like we learn new things everywhere we go. So that's all that matters. It's always fun. Never, never a dull moment. I think the most important thing for me and why I'm doing what I'm doing now is that I've been on this healing journey from uh, healing around an emotionally abusive childhood. And I really, it's something that's impacted me my whole entire life, um, but it's probably within you know, the last five years, maybe the last two years that I've really kind of honed in on, on what it is that I need to heal around and then and start doing it. My next guest today is Jen Vernon coach, mentor, speaker, and writer, encouraging people to share the hard-to-tell stories and start to heal the places that hurt. She knows the power of telling your story, so often that the shame starts to fade away. Jen is also the creator and host of the podcast Going There with Jen Vertinen, where she shares intimate conversations with people working to heal the places that hurt. She reminds people that we are never alone, even though it oftentimes feels like it. Known for her candor, willingness to go there, especially when it's uncomfortable, humor, and openness, Jen is often thanked for asking the hard-to-answer questions and exploring the dark bits, even when, especially when, it's awkward. Um, I'm a mom of three children, 27, 21, and 13. I like to call myself the reluctant mother. I never really planned on having kids. And, you know, people are like, well, you have three. And I'm like, yep. And I love them dearly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, by day, I'm an Agile coach, a scrub master, which is kind of a funny title. What that really means is I, uh, I herd the cats in my software development teams, um, and I love doing that. And I also started a podcast called Going There because I love to have conversations around trauma, but just real conversations. I want the real stories. I want, I want to peel back the layers and help people get really curious so they can you know, start or continue on their own healing path because dear god it, it's exhausting work but so worth it not many people would say it's the real story that drives them but from a past of struggle jen has risen from the ashes and she wants to encourage others to do the same one of the things is my mom always said i had this heart of steel and that was she meant it as a compliment uh, but it always kind of hurt and so this ability to hold a safe space for people is fairly new to me. Mm -hmm. um, it's something I've always done, but my story, right, was that I was this hard-hearted person. Um, and so I've just kind of stepped in and, and owned that, and it's, it's really good. This is what I'm meant to be doing. 
you know, obviously it starts from my own journey, but a lot of it was, was around loneliness. I was, my whole entire life, I've, I've felt lonely, even, you know, surrounded by people. And, and people don't look at me and think I'm, think I would be lonely, right? And so I started sharing that and I started seeking out um, deeper friendships with people. And through that, I would share my story, they would share theirs, and I, I would hear this chorus of me too, and just mm. this hunger to have to have those kind of stories. And I, mm. you know, I really shied away from doing a podcast because it felt like everyone was kind of doing it, right? But I'm like, how do I, how do I have these conversations, these intimate conversations that I want people to be able to listen into and, and get that sense of, oh, me too. Maybe it's okay to share some of my story because so many people are feeling lonely. It brings shame, right? It's, it's hard to say, mm. I'm, you know, this, um, you know, professional adult who, for all intents and purposes, shouldn't be lonely. Sure. And it's shame, right? Mm. And so I've always been good at being the awkward, I'll go first. And so I'm like, you know what? I'll have the conversation. Why mm. not? <laughs> I'll go first. So yeah, that the motivation is just every time I hear someone say me too and thank you, I'm like, uh, more please, more, more, more. Recognizing the hurt in others is what Jen desired for herself. She longed to not be lonely. And in doing so, she learned that so many others feel the same. She was motivated to the point of producing a space where people can feel secure in telling those stories. But that doesn't mean it's always been easy. Like I, I almost walked away from my marriage a couple of years ago. Mm. And, it, and it, there, it definitely is around the healing work that I had to do internally. Um, but that was another motivation, right? I think it's the growing up the way I did, I, I put on this, I call it my warrior suit, um, my suit of armor, my protection, if you will, and kind of that, I don't need anyone. Mm. <laughs> and that again, kind of became my truth, right? Yeah. Like my husband tried to be there and I just, I didn't know how to let him, right? Mm -hmm. it, to the point where it almost ruined my marriage. And he definitely owns his part in that, but I hadn't realized how much I owned motivation like I have got to figure this shit out. No matter the work we feel needs to happen, it's always easier with a partner who cares enough about us to slog through the trenches with us. And Jen understood this intimately. Because I loved my family. I loved my husband. And I kept telling people like, maybe we'll remarry when we're like 70, right? Mm. <laughs> but again, lots of motivation there. I mean, to his credit, he knew what I had grown up with and he was intelligent, emotionally intelligent enough to understand why I did, you know, why I reacted the way, you know, and again, he owns his part. Um, but we've done a lot of, you know, healing work around that together. And we're so much better for it. I, I'm glad that he stuck with me through, through what I needed to go through. I'm very attuned to my feelings. And if I am feeling, I like to say dead inside, if I'm feeling mm -hmm. kind of zombie-like, mm -hmm. and I, I hate doing things the same way. I hate monotony. Yep. And so if I'm feeling monotonous, yeah. that's motivation. That's a huge mm. motivation because mm. I also love to be really curious. And so if mm. I'm being monotonous, that means I'm not feeding that curiosity side of me. And that's part of the healing or knowing that I needed to do some healing was, um, I mean, for so much of my adult life, I felt on autopilot on zombie, you know, in zombie mode, feeling kind of De not dead, but just not feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and you have some wake up experiences throughout life that it's like, whoa, wait a sec. I, 
I don't, I don't want that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's a lot of people go through it. I mean, there's lots of articles and books and, mm -hmm. you know, we all experience it at some point in time, but you kind of get to decide what you're going to do with that. You get to decide what to do with it. So often we limit ourselves to one particular MO. If I can't get it done this way, I can't get it done. If I don't feel good after doing this or moving here, I'll never feel good. Jen knows it's not an ultimatum. It's just doing. You're going to yeah. address it or accept it. And there's, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong, right? It's Because right. not everyone's ready to address it either. People notice, um, like if you start showing up kind of more vibrant, more alive, people mm -hmm. notice that and it starts, I think question, they start questioning, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've had, you know, definitely many people kind of be like, hey, I noticed this and I started doing something and I'm feeling better. So thank you. Oh, that's right. Really cool. And like, I didn't do it to make others do it. I, I mean, I'm a pretty selfish person too. <laughs> kind of like a benefit. <laughs> um, you know, but definitely it's the, um, and it spurs such great conversations, right? Of like getting to that loneliness, getting to those harder to tell stories. Um, kind of people see a kinship in you when you start feeling more alive oh my gosh yes um you know when I say like someone will ask me well, what are you podcasting about and I'm like I like to talk about the places that, that hurt and immediately they go to the physical places and so I've had to learn that. like no yeah. no it's emotional and like I'm not a super touchy feely person so I think it surprises people that I like to have these conversations and that I can be this tough love, mama bear, um, nurturer, if you will. Right. Uh, but it, you know, it's that I have had to learn and I, I'm, I have not mastered it, how to gauge someone's reaction. And if they're, if they're ready to go there, if you will, not everyone's comfortable and, and that has to be okay. Because motivations differ, it's important to be aware of the boundaries of yourself and others. Jen's new venture, her podcast, Going There, tells honest, intimate stories of other people. And sometimes people aren't ready to go there. But yeah, I can tell, you know, if the eyes kind of, I can read reactions. Yeah. It's like they get it or they don't. Like if I if I can tell they don't want to get it, then it's like, okay, I'm just going to cut cut the loss here. Backpedal. Oh, you don't want to talk about emotional trauma from your childhood. That is totally cool. But then you meet some people where... You can talk about all that stuff, and yeah. that's what excites me. That's what motivates me is when the eyes light up and you meet this kindred spirit that you can talk about poop and emotional trauma and, you know, just everything. I yeah. love that. I asked Jen if she thought motivation came naturally to all of us, whatever that may look like. I do think everyone has a way to be motivated. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I guess my answer would be, yes, I think motivation comes naturally to all of us. The, and kind of the reason I'm thinking in my professional work, um, and someone said to me once, no one shows up wanting to do a bad job. Um, and that just, gosh, that stuck with me. That was probably 20 years ago. No wow. one shows up wanting to do a bad job. And so I've always taken that to be, if someone isn't playing up to their capabilities, why? Right? And to me, that gets to motivation what's going on what's not motivating them what can motivate them because i want to focus on the can yeah. what can motivate right um because there is so much going on behind the scenes in people's lives um but if i if i plant that seed no one shows up wanting to do a bad job 
that helps me again be curious about what might be going on and how can I maybe help kickstart the motivation for someone else and I'm thinking in my professional work because um, that is a lot of my work is just trying to get people to be efficient and effective and, and get shit done <laughs> so I need them to get shit done but I think it's it's how each individual defines motivation because I think of my oldest child who is incredibly different than my middle child um, my middle is what I would consider type A driven. Like since he was two, he's known what he's wanted to be in. By God, he's going to do it. My older one is very not that, you know, and, and, and I have always kind of struggled to find what is his motivation, but I have to believe it's there and we just haven't found it yet. It's going to mean something different for every person. So that makes me curious. Like I want to ask my son now. What motivates him? That sounds a little Pollyanna when I say it out loud, but yeah. So again, putting on my lens of the awkward, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I actually said on Facebook, hey, I know I don't look like I might be lonely, but I'm really lonely. Who wants to be lonely with me? You know, and not everyone's comfortable doing that. And that was probably about two years ago. And I got to tell you, I'm not lonely anymore at all. You know, so I think the more you can recognize that everyone is going through something and the more you can kind of remove yourself from the equation and oh what might people think the closer and quicker you're gonna come to getting what you want and need easier said than done I get it and maybe maybe loneliness like maybe not putting the big thing out there first but what could you put out there that feels a little bit more comfortable and just see how did people react to that? Build your muscles, if you will, until you get to the big ass. Build your motivational muscles. It almost sounds like an ad for a post-workout shake, but think about it. Michelangelo didn't carve David in a day. It took him two years. Two years. So give yourself a break. Stretch. Figuratively and maybe literally. And breathe in. Allow yourself some space and time to get to where you want to go. Eventually, you'll forget about what was going on beforehand, because you'll be there. Jen's progress didn't happen because she just one day decided, oh, I'm done feeling this way. She put in the time and the effort. She mended and reworked, and is still working on herself today. It's the self-awareness, right, to say, A, I want to work on this, B, I might not be ready, and then see get really curious like what might make me ready and then work focus on that don't focus on trying to fix the thing you're not ready for yet you know fix the thing that'll get you there um and again i mean that comes from self-awareness and curiosity and not everyone has it and that's okay too if you want to know more about jen and what she's up to visit jenburtonen.com and if you're interested in checking out her podcast it's called going there with jen burtonen Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Mindspace Over Coffee. If you feel inclined, please go into iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. Reviews matter to a podcaster more than you know. If you'd like to hear more of Mindspace Over Coffee, you can find us in iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned for next week, and don't forget your coffee.